What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey everybody and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks to the future and says, I love what you do, but I know that you're toxic. I'm Joe McCormick. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. Jonathan Strickland is not with us today. He is out at CES, so we are uh, flying solo. Right. He is roaming the floors, searching the world for the technology of the future to bring that knowledge to you and tell you how it's going to work. So you might have already seen Jonathan in his first video from CES. There is going to be another one next week. Um, but so while he's out of town, Lauren and I figured we would talk about some topics that interested us. Yeah, um, and so we landed immediately upon mosquitoes. Right, because they're awesome. N- not so no, much at because all. Because they're horrible. They're terrible, they're useless. So I love nature, and I love all the critters of the forest, and all of the species that exist on this wonderful planet, but I, I think maybe I could make an exception and just put aside my nature-protecting attitude and say mosquitoes suck. Literally, they are horrible, 
and I I want to destroy them, and I'm not even sure if I should feel bad about that. Yeah, usually we're pretty we're pretty tree huggy, circle of life kind of people around here, but I think that yes, this is one example of which we just kind of go, well, you know, they cause some six hundred and twenty seven thousand deaths from malaria last oh, year, okay. and so maybe they're just not good for anything. I think. Is yeah. the conclusion at the end of that. Well, okay, so maybe we shouldn't go so far as to say we'll just completely eliminate mosquitoes, but it is fair to say we are in a war with mosquitoes. Yes. We are fighting a battle for our lives, for the lives of many human beings who are put greatly at risk by the diseases that mosquitoes spread. Um, and, of course, malaria is the chief among those. So what are the numbers on this? How many people are, are put at risk by malaria? Uh, there's some um, 207 million cases worldwide uh, and in 2012. Anyway, uh, these are the newest numbers that we've got from the World Health Organization, who in uh, 2013. And, you know, the mortality rates from the disease have, have fallen some 45 percent since the year 2000 due to a whole bunch of new technologies that have come out, which which is fabulous. But there's still that. I mean, there's still hundreds of thousands of people dying of this disease every year. And and that's, you know, you've also got West Nile virus, lots of other things that mosquitoes spread. But uh, OK, yeah. so what is malaria? Malaria is a disease caused by parasites from the genus Plasmodium. Right. It's not just a normal bacteria or virus, is it? Uh, right, right. Um, and, and only five of these specific uh, uh, species of Plasmodium parasites have been known to cause malaria in humans. They uh, d- Different strains cause malaria in other animals as well. One is a new recent crossover from monkeys, which is pretty exciting. Th- these parasites are spread through the bites of infected mosquitoes. Yeah, apparently uh, all of the species of mosquito that transmit mal- the malaria parasite are found within the genus Anopheles. And that's a name which comes from the Greek, which literally means useless, without advantage, or good for nothing. So it's like literally part of their very etymological identity that they must be destroyed. They're good for nothing. <laughs> I mean, they're they're probably good for feeding some species of birds or spiders perhaps yeah again i'm but, not i'm not advocating complete extermination of the genus but again this is war it is it is and okay so so rates of infection depend on a whole bunch of different things yeah it, it's from the the species of mosquitoes specific lifespan um it's it's taste for human blood because some mosquitoes are more bloodthirsty than others uh-huh. um uh, climate and weather conditions like rainfall, temperature and humidity can affect this. And also, um, different populations can have different immunity. O- over the years of exposure to small amounts of this parasite, you can build up an immunity. Um, and so when the climate changes, or, or I'm sorry, when the weather changes and the climate slowly kind of fills stuff in, uh, different populations of humans that are perhaps less immune to the disease can, can catch it and it can run pretty rampant. Yeah, and it tends to come in sort of like uh, boom and fade cycles, right? Like during the rainy seasons and the warm seasons, malaria booms. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, and the the basic way that it works is that um, the, it's a single-celled parasite, and it gets into your blood cells and reproduces until it kills the cell, which then releases a whole bunch of toxins and more parasites and repeats the process. So, um, it, you know, eventually, like in the short term, it'll cause kind of flu-like symptoms, but in the long term, it can cause organ failures, brain problems, cardiovascular problems, pulmonary problems, you know, just basically shut you down. Okay, so is there a way to deal with the disease itself, 
Like if we just know that mosquitoes are here to stay, is there a malaria vaccine? Well, okay. Um, vaccines are tricky here because the parasite changes a bunch. It, it grows so fast in your bloodstream that, that it's changing and mutating and building up drug resistance pretty quickly. So there's no current vaccine that's effective. One is in testing. Um, it's, it's against the most common and, and deadly of those parasites, P. falciparum or, or falcoparum. I'm not sure. My Latin is really rusty. And, and it's, it's currently being administered as part of a research trial in Africa. Results aren't expected until late 24. 14 and uh, for possible use, you know, if it seems legit in starting in 2015 sometime. But, you know, it's it's still in testing. People are hoping that this one is going to work out. It's tricky because the genomes of both the parasite and of mosquitoes, of the mosquitoes that carry it, have been mapped. But, you know, that's as we've talked about before on the show, a, a genome is a whole lot of information to pour over. Okay, so you can't really vaccinate it yet. What do they do to treat it? Uh, the best treatment for the disease right now is uh, it's called artemisinin-based combination therapy, or ACT, which acts kind of like a like a punch kick combo of of drugs that helps prevent the parasite from developing resistance. Um, but it can still the parasite can still develop resistance to the stuff over time, and also it's pretty expensive. So it sounds like the disease itself is pretty hardy and difficult to fight. So maybe the best thing to do in this case would be something that's called vector control. And this is when there are diseases that are zoonotic. They're uh, fed to us through an animal carrier where you attack the animal carrier rather than the disease itself. So if it's a disease spread by rats, you'd try to control the rat population rather than dealing with the disease. In this case, it's spread by mosquitoes. So what do you do? Go to war with mosquitoes, like I've been saying. Uh, Right. And this is tricky, too, because only about 1% of the mosquito population is capable of carrying these parasites. Um, And mosquitoes are pretty sturdy. They've been around for, like, over 300 million years. and furthermore, only female mosquitoes are the ones that spread this disease. So you have to get really um, tough and specific against this mosquito problem. It's it's not, you know, you can't just like go knock on their door at night and take them to mosquito jail. <laughs> mosquito jail. I'm trying to <laughs> picture that. Like it's made of Legos. I don't know. I, I, um, c- clearly carbon nanotubes. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I do know that we have a bunch of different ways of trying to fight and control mosquito infection. Yes. Um, and I think the most low tech and the most widespread is probably mosquito nets, right? Uh, yeah. As far as I can tell, they've been around for a good couple hundred years, po- possibly thousands of years, although I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the veracity of that one. Um, and in the 80s or so, we started treating mosquito nets with pesticides, which is pretty effective. I mean, I mean, mosquito nets themselves can reduce the uh, cases of malaria in a population by about 45 percent and treated nets by something like 65 percent. So that's awesome. I mean, you know, that's but that's still leaving hundreds of thousands of people susceptible. Yeah. And I'd imagine the mosquito net. I mean, that's something you can sleep over, but you can't like live inside it. I mean, you've got to get up and go do your thing. I mean, you could, I guess, if you made yourself a suit of mosquito netting, but that That wouldn't really be effective. Impractical. Yes. Um, Okay. So, 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 but I was talking about um, treating the nets with insecticides. Right. So we got poison. Yeah. Yeah. We've got lots of poison. Humans are pretty good at creating poison, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So there's one major example. That'd be DDT. So DDT is an insecticide that has been highly effective at eliminating disease-carrying mosquito populations before. Um, 
as in the United States after World War II. Uh, this is actually a direct quote from uh, the CDC's history on this. It, the National Malaria Eradication Program, uh, skip a bit, consisted primarily of DDT application to the interior surfaces of rural homes or entire premises in counties where malaria was reported to have been prevalent in recent years. Uh, and so by the end of 1949, more than uh, 4.6 million house spray applications had been made. Uh, it also included drainage, removal of mosquito breeding sites, and uh, spraying from aircrafts of insecticides. So basically within a few years, the country was declared mar- malaria-free by the use of DDT. So it's effective. Why not just spray the entire world with DDT? Problem solved, right? Well, uh, that problem is solved. However... Yeah, it's DDT. You've probably (laughs) heard of DDT before, maybe in conjunction with a book called Silent Spring. DDT was uh, the subject of controversy in ensuing decades in the 60s and 70s, and it was eventually banned, possibly with very good reason. Uh, It's toxic to the environment in all kinds of ways, uh, and it's got nasty, persistent effects throughout the biosphere. So it's uh, lipophilic, as I believe the word it. It bonds in a friendly way with fat cells, so it oh. stays in organic tissue for a long Forever, time. Forever, basically. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then there there are questions about its toxicity to humans. It's been suggested with links to various diseases in humans, though uh, I think it has not necessarily been proven as a carcinogen. And then finally, you've got the problem of insect resistance, right? You use a poison long enough on insect populations, it's going to kill a lot of them. But in the same problem we have with the overuse of antibiotics, if you continue using it, you're going to get some resistant insects. And you'll eventually are, yeah. select for insects that are resistant. To right. It. And you have super insects who aren't harmed by DDT and you've basically destroyed your environment by spraying it with poison that is maybe killing you. And then you'll have mosquito populations killing. surge back later. Right. Yeah. So and this is the problem with with all insecticides, really, when you get down to it, um, you know, you, you also get um, uh, DEET, uh, D-E-E-T, which is a little bit safer than DDT, but also I, I'd imagine a good bit safer. <laughs> I think most things are a good bit safer than DDT, um, but it, but it's still slightly toxic to uh, to lots of wildlife, more so non mammals than mammals. But, um, you know, e- even though it's been classified as safe to use. On humans, in accordance with the the instructions on on any package labeling that you may find, it can still be slightly toxic to us as well if it's used improperly. So I was reading somewhere about that there's like a a future DEET, like a hyper DEET that could be coming to the market that's way more effective. Well, so the the whole one of the things, one of the weird things about DEET is that we're still not sure exactly how it works. Um, It it either confuses mosquitoes sense of smell or it smells really yucky to them. So it's it's not like DDT. It's not like a poison. It's not a poison. No, it's, it's a repellent. Okay. Um, and, and there are other repellents that are in development right now. Um, one really promising one is called, uh, and this is snappy, VUAA1. That stands for the Vanderbilt University um, Allosteric Agonist Number 1. And basically what this does is, is overload mosquitoes' sense of smell, thus preventing them from tracking down uh, tasty, tasty human blood. Sounds like an agonist. Oh. <laughs> Right. Um, I ever heard of one. <laughs> and it's a it's a molecule that triggers a mosquito's olfactory nerve switchboard. Um, it, it's a it's a little thing called the called the orco. And the orco transmits signals from the bug's odorant receptors 
to its brain, letting it know what it's smelling. Um, but, but when you trigger the whole switchboard at once, it causes a sensory overload. It, it's a, basically a thing that smells like everything simultaneously, which, if you think about that, that's terrible. Like that, <laughs> I would like no one to ever, you know, not not that we've got similar switchboards in humans, but at any rate, um, yeah, it, it, it's currently in testing. But don't they say that in trials, it's like a thousand times more effective than DEET or something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, some some huge amount. I don't have the number right in front of me, but um, but really quite effective, and and also probably. I, you know, I, I'm making up a number here, essentially, but millions of times more effective than, for example, a citronella candle, um, which really only confuses a, a particular odor receptor and not the whole switchboard. OK. Um, what about this kite patch I was hearing about? Is that another chemical solution? Uh, yeah, this is a this is a similar repellent sort of thing. Um, th- this was a crowdfunded anti-mosquito patch uh, called Kite. It just just in fall of 2013 met uh, like 740 percent of its goal on Indiegogo, which is wonderful. They raised over five hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars. And uh, OK, so, so one of the other ways that mosquitoes detect humans is with carbon dioxide receptors. You know, we, we exhale the stuff and so they can they've learned how to smell it. And the, the chemicals on this patch mess with mosquitoes, carbon dioxide scent receptors in um, uh, those in particular and maybe their other odor receptors in general. Uh, the kite patch makers have up to this point been understandably a, a little bit fuzzy wuzzy on the uh, on the details of it since it's still in development. But um but in general, um, someone wearing this kind of thing on their clothing should be invisible to the bugs for up to 48 hours. OK, so the bug the bug can't smell your breath, but at the same time, it's not using like a toxic chemical to confuse it. Uh, right. Exactly. It should be non-toxic. It's pretty inexpensive. And um, it, it, so it's currently with all of this money that they grabbed from Indiegogo in testing in Uganda. So uh, we're going to see how that goes. Cool. Well, good luck to them. Yeah. Uh, So that sounds like a good future avenue there. Yes. Well, I want to talk about some more things that are currently being used and might be used in the future. Uh, I want to talk about traps. Traps. Did you ever play that game when you were a kid, the board game, the the mousetrap game? Yeah. Where I'm not sure if it was actually a game as much as it was just like a a thing to set up and and look at. Well, you you had to move around the board and, and hit certain spaces in order to set the pieces up. Supposedly, but I'm not sure that I ever played that way. I think that I just constructed the Rube Goldberg-esque machine and did it. Well, I never even played the game. I, really? I just saw the commercial and wanted it really bad because of the traps. Oh, it's so, so good. Uh-huh. Traps are very satisfying if you're trying to eliminate pests. It, it, there, there's sort of this deep down natural human urge to, to trap things you don't want near you. And slay them. Slay them. Yeah, like slaying mosquitoes. I, that's much more fun than slaying mice, which is kind of sad. Um, yes, mice are cute. I had a pet mouse once. Oh, oh, never had a pet mosquito because mosquitoes are attracted to heat, carbon dioxide, stinky human smell. If we know what they're attracted to, seems like we might be able to make traps where we can lure them in, put them in a bag, send them off somewhere bad and we're done. <laughs> I send them to mosquito jail. Yeah, right. So here's uh, one example, just a, a consumer mosquito trap that you can go on the Internet and buy. This is one It's called the mosquito magnet. Uh, and a lot of traps work like this. Basically, they attract mosquitoes with a combination of CO2 and water vapor, and that's created by burning a little flame from a pro- propane tank. Okay, so um, so you've got so so you've got the heat, you've got the CO2. Mm-hmm. 
uh, yeah, and the water vapor too. And uh-huh. so it, it simulates the human breath that you were talking about, just like, uh, what they're attracted to that, uh, the, the kite patch messes up. Mm-hmm. And then when it attracts the insects, uh, these kinds of traps suck the insects up into a collector device with an electric fan or a vacuum or something like that. So it's, it's doing the breath. It's getting them in there. Um, the video for this particular product is kind of hilarious because some guy keeps telling you to join his family. Uh, yeah, the, the announcer in it is very enthusiastic, uh, and I, I recommend it. Uh, so the machine looks more expensive than I can afford, but if I could afford it, it'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, just get rid of all those those skeeters. Bye bye. Uh, skeeters is the scientific term, by the way. Uh, yes, here in the South, it is. Uh... Right, science, <laughs> South science. Um, but is there a better way? I wonder. Is there anything that's more attractive to them than this combination of CO two and water vapor? Something that that like is just a really distracting smell that they would love. And if you could just put some of the smell away from where the people are, it would draw the mosquitoes away. Okay, so I I heard on the internet that um that mosquitoes really like cheese, like stinky, stinky cheese, stinky cheese. Yeah. Okay. So the question is, uh, what do you what if you could create a diversion for mosquitoes that would draw them away from humans? And scientists have been thinking about this for a while. Uh, in the 1990s, a researcher named Bart Knowles figured out that hey, it looks like mosquitoes love Limburger cheese. Just as much as they like the human smell. Um, and this could actually lead to improved mosquito traps, uh, drawing the insects away from the humans with irresistible piles of cheesy bait. Um, so you could just leave piles of cheese in the jungle somewhere and save the world, right? Uh, yeah. Well, no. Maybe not quite, but uh. it, but it was a step in the right direction. The research has been considered useful, even if it's not like the solution to the world mosquito problem. Uh, the paper was called On Human Odor, Malaria Mosquitoes, and Limburger Cheese, published in 1996. And I think Knowles eventually won an Ig Nobel Prize for his research. Um, but so what other smells do they love? Stinky feet. Stinky feet. They love stink in whatever form. So malaria-infected mosquitoes, if you put like a nasty stocking that you've been wearing for about 48 hours in a jar, the mosquitoes will flock to it. They now, love it. Now, now you said malaria-infested mosquitoes specifically. Right. That That's actually what this next study is, uh, one that's called Malaria-Infected Mosquitoes Expressed Enhanced Attraction to Human Odor. And that was actually published just uh, last year in 2013. I almost said this year. New Year's. Okay, but what it found is that malaria-infected mosquitoes in particular, above regular mosquitoes, are three times more attracted to stinky foot odors than uninfected mosquitoes are. Wow. Okay, so, so what you're basically saying is that, that the, for somehow this, this, uh, this parasitic infection is driving the mosquitoes to be more attracted to humans than they otherwise would be. Right. And the important thing about this research is it actually has two reasons it's really important. One is that it might help us better understand how to create lures for these mosquitoes to draw them off the trail or, or invite them into traps. But it also is helping us understand the behavior of the parasite itself. So we don't just have to understand the mosquito, but we understand how the malaria parasite controls the mosquito's behavior. And the more we know about that, the better we are at fighting this, especially in terms of vector control. So the question comes up, what's better, Limburger cheese or stinky socks? 
Um, uh, James Logan, who is one of the authors of the Stinky Feet paper, was quoted in an interview with the Huffington Post, and he said this, uh, so mosquitoes aren't attracted to cheese because they've evolved to know the difference. So you have to get the mixture, the ratios, and concentrations of those chemicals exactly right. Otherwise, the mosquito won't think it's a human. So he's coming down and saying stinky socks are a better bait than Limburger cheese. That's uh, that, that's slightly disappointing to me because I was envisioning this this gorgeous future where where all the cities are made of of cheese. That that American Tail had it right all along, and well, that the I, streets will be paved. I see a flaw in your vision there because you wouldn't want the cities made of cheese. That would just draw all the mosquitoes to it. What you'd want is to find a place where nobody wanted to live and put all of the cheese there. Joe, I really appreciate that that is your problem with my logic here. That's okay. <laughs> but, uh, but it turns out there's another flaw, which is we shouldn't put the cheese out there. We should put huge piles of stinky socks out there. Right, right. Uh, uh, faux cities made of stinky socks. Yeah. Yes. Or an even better alternative would be as if we could create a really cheap synthetic version of the stinky sock smell. And that's one of the things that might come out of this research in the future is that we can make better mosquito bait, thus more attractive mosquito traps, get more of those suckers in there and take them away from people so they don't infect them. Uh, right. And hypothetically, especially since you're putting these uh, stinky sock generating machines, you know, not very near to human populations, uh, you're, you're not you're not poisoning anything. I mean, oh, well, I mean, yeah. So you're not using a poison at all. Right. And so that that wouldn't harm other wildlife and it wouldn't lead to an adapted resistance among the mosquitoes. Or if it did lead to an adapted resistance, it wouldn't be a poison resistance. It would just mean mosquitoes that didn't like the smell of B.O., which would probably which be kind a of okay. good thing to begin with. Right. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to blow your mind with a really bizarre solution. Okay, do it. Blast them. Empire style. What, like pew pew? Like, like pew pew. Pew like, pew the mosquitoes to death. We, we are talking about mosquito lasers? Mm-hmm. It is, it, it is literally the mosquito laser. This is a real solution <laughs> proposed by real people, not dudes on the internet, like people who actually make stuff and make money doing it. Okay, okay. I've, I've, I've heard about this, and I hear that it's actually kind of sort of the fault of Bill Gates. Yeah. Is this correct? Okay, so here's the story. Apparently back in the mid-2000s, Bill Gates asked former Microsoft executive Nathan Mirvold to use his invention company, Intellectual Ventures LLC, to come up with a new way to battle the spread of malaria. So Mirvold and some associates brainstormed, and the result was the Mosquito Laser. Uh, so the Mosquito Laser was originally the idea of an astrophysicist named Lowell Wood, who was associated with the Strategic Defense Initiative in the 80s, you know, the Star the, the Wars. The Star Wars program? program. It all right. comes back to, okay, all right, right. this so is all making sense. The idea there, I think, is like if the Soviets shoot missiles at us, we have satellites that are going to pew-pew them out of the sky with lasers. You can see this guy has, like, maybe similar thought kind patterns. Of, kind of a one-track mind, yeah. yeah. No, that's probably not fair. I, I, he's probably actually a genius. But <laughs> let's make fun of him because, you know. Um, so Mirvold's he's not here. Group, he can't talk back. Right. <laughs> Mirvold's group, including a guy uh, named Jordan Kerr, built a prototype of a mosquito laser death ray out of parts bought on eBay. Um, Mirvold demonstrated this live at a TED talk in 2010. And if you watch the footage, it is, it'll make you feel like a sadist, but it is so pleasing to just watch mosquito wings vaporized into smoke and like legs get blasted off in slow motion 
where this insect that that you it fills you with hate to see it blown up into this huge size on a monitor because you know it's going to bite you and its its cousins are probably killing people somewhere but they blast it with a laser and it just sort of like the thorax erupts with little plumes of smoke and the wings disintegrate and it falls slowly and gracefully uh so yeah they're shooting mosquitoes with lasers I, I i have to say that as as peace loving as i am that does sound i doing research for this episode was really was one of the rougher episodes for me because every single article feels it necessary to put a giant picture of of a mosquito at the top, like <laughs> usually a blood filled mosquito, like yeah. actively drinking Engorged from human skin. Mosquito Thanksgiving, and I, I that is so I was I was unhappy about that. Yeah. Okay. So the well. So the payoff is pretty. Yeah, good. you can go watch these videos and and you will repeatedly. get your sadist jollies out of it okay but so so how how effective is this really i mean i mean do they have any any even prototypes oh yeah 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 the most recent prototype so they've had several they had a handheld version the most recent prototype works based on a photonic fence uh photonic like photons right so there's a wall of infrared light between two fence posts Uh, when an insect interrupts the barrier the system uses a non-lethal laser ping so it kind of just like pops it with a laser pointer uh-huh. Um, to determine what kind of insect it is and make sure nothing's in the way and stuff like that. So you determine, and it gets data back, of course, from that ping to say, like, okay, it's an insect of about this size and its wings are beating at this frequency and there's nothing in the way. And if the message it gets is, this is a female mosquito. Mm-hmm, because uh, male and female mosquitoes have a different wing rate, I believe. Yeah, the, their wings beat at different frequencies. The mm-hmm. females are bigger, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it detects the, okay, this is one of the bad guys. It's a female mosquito. It then issues the killing blow in the form of a photon stream from a blue laser, which is actually the same kind of laser in your Blu-ray player. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So uh, how is the photonic fence best used? Well, it's probably best at a perimeter around buildings, like especially hot spots, like hospitals and clinics. But technically, you could just put one around your backyard if you wanted, and it should be highly effective. Uh, Mirvold claimed this thing could shoot down about 100 mosquitoes per second. Uh, that jo- is wonderful. Yeah. That's so delightful. <laughs> uh, Jordan Kerr, who worked on the project, actually published an article with instructions on how people can build their own mosquito laser fence out of consumer electronics in the IEEE Spectrum article uh, in 2010. I quote directly from him for this interesting fact. He says, the average flying altitude varies among mosquito species, but it's usually only about two meters. And they'll fly over obstacles when necessary, uh, even into an upper story window. But if your virtual fence is three to five meters high, it can catch almost all mosquitoes that fly by because they're not expecting anything, right? They they think they can just float through. Sure. Right? They're cocky. Yeah. uh, So these cocky mosquitoes get caught in the net like Sandra Bullock and then bam, they're dead. Okay. So the benefit is it's probably uh, much less of a threat to the environment than simply spreading pesticide sprays around. And pesticide sprays kill a wider range of animals while the mosquito laser can attack only the culprits you want. Uh, right. If a bee or something else that was perhaps useful to our environment floated, fl- floated, flew past, then, uh, right. It, it could leave them alone. It can tell the difference between right. a female mosquito and a bee. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so this is really cool, but there are a few problems to actually implementing something like this. Yeah, I was going to say that this sounds all too good to be true. Like, set me up with lasers in my backyard for mosquitoes immediately. Well, I mean, nobody's got a factory making these yet. What they, what these people came up with was a prototype. And that's sort of their stated goal is, is about that. They're like, we're going to put the ideas out there, but we're not going to manufacture this on a large scale. Um, so there's a big question about can it really be cost effective? Um, you know, to put one of these at, at every building or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other question is, is it feasible to implement this in places that don't have abundant grid electricity? Oh, yeah. Because it, it's powered, right? Sure, you know, sure. And so, like so you without... Can, you can spray DDT wherever you want, but th- this thing needs electricity. Mm-hmm. And a continual stream. It's And, well, I mean, you know, at a certain point, you're going to uh, uh, destroy the mosquito population enough that it will collapse. You know, if you have uh, too many too many males to not enough females and, you know, things will go wonky and, and eventually it won't work out well for them, which is basically what, what DDT did here in the United States. Right. But... Uh, yeah, so, well, obviously we still have mosquitoes. Oh, right, right? yeah. But we, we just don't have a <laughs> malaria problem, really, yeah. in the United States. Um, and so, yeah, so, so this, the, the laser is maybe the coolest thing I research, but I don't know if it's the most practical. Um, but I want to talk about one more thing. Okay, right. Yeah, you, you've you've got here in your notes. So, th- and what this sounds like is is people going like, okay, so mosquitoes are kind of going to be around. It's really difficult to get rid of them entirely. Uh, can we put them to use? Uh huh. Can somebody, we put them to use? Somebody had this idea. It's called the flying syringe. Which is not a kung fu movie like the flying guillotine or anything. I like. would watch that kung fu movie. Oh, the flying syringe. Yeah, yeah, we should make that kung fu movie. Yeah. Okay. Nobody here's the- steal that. <laughs> They're all listening. <laughs> in in 2008, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which uh, they've come up a couple times now, they're they're very much into malaria, fighting malaria around the world. <laughs> right. They're they're not into malaria. Yeah, yes. No. They're-, they're exactly the opposite. They're against malaria. Yes. They awarded a hundred thousand dollar research grant to uh, Hiroyuki Matsuka of Jichi Medical University in Japan. And the idea was to develop flying syringes. That was uh, this person's idea. Uh, and what these would be, they would be genetically modified mosquitoes that are engineered to inject hosts with life-saving vaccines instead of diseases through their saliva. Um, obviously, one can imagine this would be really helpful in getting vaccines to people in remote and impoverished locations because most of the time, if you transport vaccines, they have to be kept refrigerated, but this can make it really hard to get them to remote places, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Also, you've got just a just a um, manpower problem and and monetary restraints, all kinds of stuff like that. Right. So vaccines delivered by mosquitoes could save more lives. Um, so far, the transgenic mosquito doesn't seem to have been created. Uh, I read an article about this research grant from 2008. And then I saw Matsuka gave a presentation uh, on the research at a symposium in 2009. But other than that, I don't know if it's gone anywhere, but I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, like to me, it sounds like there's so much, uh, there's so many ways out there that we have of killing mosquitoes that, <laughs> that if you're just creating really expensive mosquitoes, I'm not sure if anyone's going to want to fund that research. Oh, that's true. It'd be horrible if like a million dollar mosquito flew into the photonic fence. It's a really impressive laser trap. Yeah. It's, you would just, everyone would cry, I think. Okay. The tears of scientists would be, would be shed. 
Well, I think the bottom line is that uh, while we're not necessarily for total eradication of these uh, mosquito species, we guess we are sort of uh, acknowledging that there is a struggle. We must win. Yes. And that we've got a lot of tools already and we've got some even better tools on the way for fighting this, especially to save all these lives around the world. I mean, it's not just a backyard grilling, you know, slapping your leg. Oh, right, convenience right. problem sure, this sure. is it's, a it's, life and death it's issue. It's not just itchy. It's it's really quite terrifying. Um right. but but no, I'm but I'm so excited about and all of this research that that I was reading about anyway seems like people are talking about, you know, if if this presents a solution that it's going to be presented within the next like 2 or 3 years. Not that like 20 to 50 that we hear about with so many things, but kind of kind of soon. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that just about wraps up our conversation, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, so uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us about anything, um, head over to fwthinking.com. That is where you can find all of our podcasts and blog posts and videos. You can leave comments on all of those. You can keep up with Jonathan's CES adventures. Yes. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus at fwthinking. So we hope to hear from you. And either way, we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.